0: Hi and welcome to the Psychology Sisters podcast. Just two besties on a quest to normalise the dialogue around mental health. I'm Kat, a registered psychologist. And I'm Amy, a registered psychotherapist. In our episodes, we combine our skills, professional and personal experiences with a light sprinkling of science and a dabble of fun to help you to become informed, in control and empowered. Now let's dive deep into today's episode. Hello everybody. Welcome back to another episode. I am flying Han Solo today talking all things depression. I know I'm not going to be able to cover everything about depression in this episode because boy I would be here for an eternity but I want to cover what depression is, some of the causes of depression because one in five people these days experience depression or or actually have a diagnosis of clinical depression and I'll also be covering the difference between clinical depression and feeling depressed or having you know low days and I'll be covering some treatment and intervention options that can help people alleviate some depressive 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 symptoms okay so what is depression depression can feel like a dirty secret it can make you feel like less of a human being like a prisoner in your own body depression can take away employment sense of self and you can lose relationships Uh, Depression can be cruel and debilitating with deafening negative thoughts and crippling shame and loneliness. It can feel like anxieties on top of anxieties and make you think you're a burden and simply existing can feel near impossible. So depression is often viewed or comparable to like having a common cold in the mental illness realm and that's because it is so common. Yet we know that having a cold can make us feel completely miserable and we also know that having a cold can develop into things like sinus infections and weaken our immune system therefore it's crucial to pay attention to these early signs of depression so things like noticing days when you feel discouraged drained of energy irritable you might be feeling more self-critical or down on yourself Just as you would pay attention to physical flu-like symptoms, it's important to pay attention to when something is wrong here and you're not feeling your usual self. So what happens when we notice these signs? How do you know if you have clinical depression versus just feeling down or having like normal feelings of sadness? Clinical depression otherwise known as major depressive disorder, is a mood disorder. So those who suffer from depression experience this persistent feeling of sadness, hopelessness, loss of interest in activities they once enjoyed. And aside from emotional problems caused by depression, individuals can also present with physical symptoms such as chronic pain and and digestive issues as well. So, to be diagnosed with depression, these symptoms need to be persistent and they need to impact your daily life, essentially. So, major depressive disorder is marked by this overwhelming feeling of sadness, isolation and despair, and that affects how the person thinks, feels and functions. So, having depression versus feeling depressed. We know that clinical depression is different to this feeling of sadness because it interferes significantly with your daily life. And like I said, it lasts for clinicians that diagnose, so psychologists or psychiatrists um, say that it lasts for at least two consecutive weeks. So clinical depression affects how we work, play and love. It can also, like I mentioned, um, manifest physically not just in the body with aches and pains, but also in the brain. So we see people with clinical depression have a smaller frontal lobe and a shrunken hippocampus. They have abnormal depletion of neurotransmitters such as serotonin, dopamine, and norepinephrine. We see blunted circadian rhythms or sleep cycles, specifically the REM sleep, um, which is our slow wave cycles, and that's where our rest and recovery takes place. We also see um, hormone abnormalities such as high cortisol, our stress hormone, and dysregulation of our thyroid. So, what is the difference between depressive and depression and sadness? Given that the primary symptom associated with depression is sadness, it can be pretty tricky to know and make that distinction between the two psychological states. The difference doesn't lie in the extent to which a person feels down but rather in the combination of factors relating to the duration of these negative feelings so other symptoms like like i mentioned bodily impact and the effect on the individual individual's ability to function like in their normal day-to-day life whereas sadness is a normal emotion that everyone will experience at some point of their life Uh, maybe due to a loss of a job, um, ending a relationship, or the death of a loved one. Sadness is usually caused by a specific event, person, or situation. When it comes to depression, however, there's not necessarily one trigger needed. A person suffering from depression feels this intense sadness or hopelessness about everything this person may have every reason in the world from the outside looking in um, to be happy and yet they lose their ability to experience joy and pleasure so with sadness you might feel down in the dumps for a day or two but you're still able to enjoy simple little things like your favorite food how good is food um, TV shows, spending time with your loved ones. Um, whereas this isn't the case with someone dealing with depression. Activities that they once enjoyed are no longer interesting. We don't get pleasure out of them anymore. For example, I love food. I love nothing more than making myself a delicious breakfast. And to give you an example, if I was someone that were, had major depressive disorder, the sheer thought of getting up, Having to go to the fridge, choose the ingredients to make myself breakfast, prepare those ingredients, cook them, plate them, eat them would just be too much. What's more, when you experience um, sadness triggered by a certain something, you're still able to have the emotional functioning like sleep, like you usually would remain pretty motivated to do things that you need to do and maintain desire to do simple things like eating. Depression on the other hand is associated with a serious disruption of normal eating and sleeping patterns as well as not wanting to get out of bed all day. So with sadness you might feel regret or remorse for something you said or did but you won't experience that permanent sense of worthlessness or guilt that you might with clinical depression so symptoms of depression there are lots people with depression may experience a variety of symptoms but most commonly like I keep mentioning it's this feeling of sadness or like a real loss of interest in things that you used to enjoy or just daily activities So according to the DSM-5 criteria and my own experience as a clinician, some of the symptoms of depression may include irritability, agitation, and restlessness. And I've noticed this especially in relation to others. Like if you find that you have an increased irritability with other people, that can be a symptom. Lower sex drive inability to focus concentrate or make decisions either um difficulty in sleeping so insomnia or sleeping too much not being able to get out of bed is really common changing appetite and or um, weight so eating maybe eating too much and gaining weight or eating too little and losing weight um tiredness and lack of energy unexplainable crying spells unexplainable physical symptoms such as headaches and body aches, feeling hopeless or worthlessness, uh, withdrawal from social situations and normal activities, and thoughts of suicide and death as well. So like I mentioned, the DSM-5 is the diagnostic criteria for diagnosing mental illness uh, that clinicians use, so psychologists and psychiatrists use, um, and they use that I guess as a measure. So like I said, if a person has experienced um, at, at least one depressed mood or loss of interest or pleasure for a period of two consecutive weeks or longer, that means you meet the diagnostic criteria. What causes depression? So we know the symptoms, we know the difference between sadness and clinical depression. How do we get depression? Well, It's really complicated. (laughs) Given these varied symptoms, it's not surprising that depression is heterogeneous disorder, is a heterogeneous disorder. Indeed, each of these symptoms has a specific risk factor associated and severities and trajectories. Both um, major depressive disorder and its individual symptoms um, will co-occur, with other psychiatric disorders and they also manifest differently across developmental stages so people's age and between males and females. Major depressive disorder is among the most prevalent of psychiatric disorders and it's the single most burdensome disease worldwide. In attempting to understand how this is characterized across multiple domains of functioning. Researchers have identified brain structure and function in individuals diagnosed with this disorder, this disorder. So first I will talk about neurotransmitters and and biochemical causes of depression. I think when people think of depression, you do jump to, oh, chemical imbalance. That's not necessarily the case, but obviously it does play a big role in depression. Neuroscientists don't have a definitive answer. So what they do know is that depression seems to come from a complex interaction of genetic, biological, environmental, and psychological factors. So there's no diagnostic tools to predict where or when someone might show up with depression because depressive symptoms are intangible. So it's difficult to know who is suffering because we can't look, we can look perfectly fine on the surface. We can't see depression. So depression is a disorder of the representation and regulation of mood and emotion. We know that it's a mood disorder. And there is evidence from neuroimaging studies to show that there are particular parts of the brain and certain chemicals that do play a role. So depression has been linked to problems or imbalances in the brain, specifically with the neurotransmitters serotonin, norepinephrine and dopamine. They're the main three. And it's quite difficult to actually measure the level of neurotransmitters in a person's brain and their activity. However, we do know that antidepressant medication, which are used to treat symptoms of depression, are known to act upon these neurotransmitters and their receptors. So I'm not really going to talk too much about medication in this podcast, um, but I will go into that in the treatment section a little bit for you. So the neurotransmitter serotonin is involved in controlling many important bodily functions, including sleep, our mood, eating, sexual behavior, serotonin is produced by serotonergic neurons. And current research suggests that a decrease in production of serotonin by these neurons can cause depression in some people. And more specifically, it's the mood state that can cause some people to feel depressed and even suicidal. So norepinephrine is it functions in both our mind and our body and it's actually altered by exercise and it serves a function in memory and mood. So it's very important um, for depression and our overall mind body functioning. Um, So current research suggests that a decrease in the production of serotonin by by these neurons can cause depression in some people and more specifically a mood state of depression. Dopamine plays an important role in controlling our drive to seek rewards. Kat and I have spoke about this a lot in previous episodes. So dopamine, as well as our ability to um, feel rewards and a sense of pleasure, it it impacts people with depression because, like I said, we we don't get the same sense of pleasure out of our activities like we did before becoming depressed so when we have low levels of dopamine that's when we don't get that same reward and feeling of pleasure so like I mentioned depression is more than a chemical imbalance Um, our environment and our lifestyle can play such a huge role in people with clinical depression so imagine being sedentary, indoors, socially isolated, fast food laden, sleep deprived, frenzied paced, green addicted, modern life. It is a recipe for depression. So lifestyle is a, is a, big, is a big cause. Um, not the whole cause because there isn't one, but it is a big cause and it's something that you can modify and I'll, I'll go more into detail about that. So family history, depression can run in families and some people will have an increased genetic risk or a genetic vulnerability to experiencing symptoms of depression. However, having a parent or close relative with depression doesn't mean that you automatically will get clinical depression. Life circumstances and other personal factors are still likely to have an influence. Personality, I get asked this a lot. Are there some people that are just more depressed than others? So certainly some are more at risk of depression because of their personality. If you are someone that has a tendency to worry a lot or be stressed a lot, like me, I'm a natural stressor. (laughs) Um, So they can be more prone to depression because stress can sometimes cause depression Or if you are someone that has low self-esteem, or you're a perfectionist, or you're sensitive to personal criticism, or you are very self-critical and negative, you may be more likely to experience clinical depression. Um, Serious medical illness. So the stress and worry of coping with a serious illness can lead to depression, especially if you're dealing with long-term chronic pain and management. Drug and alcohol use can both lead and result from depression, and it's not the main cause. Also, in terms of diagnostic criteria, if you experience depression in relation to drug and alcohol, that doesn't necessarily mean that you'll fit the criteria for depression. I think that's important to note, but it definitely does play a role in depression. So, life events also play a role. Research suggests that. Um, continuing difficulties like long-term unemployment or living in long-term uncaring relationships, abusive relationships, um, long-term isolation or loneliness, or just prolonged stress that can be that can be a big cause, and they're more likely to cause depression than recent life stresses. So if you have an ongoing prolonged stress. That's definitely a cause for depression. However... Recent events like losing a job or a combination events can trigger depression if you're already at risk because of either previous bad experiences or personal factors like I mentioned. So while we don't know exactly what causes depression, there are a number of things that are linked to what might develop into depression is what I'm blabbering on about trying to explain. Um, So depression usually results from a combination of things that are usually long-term personal factors genetic vulnerabilities and biochemical factors as well. So what do we do? What do we do if we have a diagnosis of major depressive disorder? Comorbidity has posed significant challenges for the diagnosis and treatment of depression and like I said before it's kind of hindered the ability to predict long-term outcome of major depressive disorder so keeping depression a secret exacerbates the illness and depression loves isolation so keeping depression a secret gives it power over you depression drains your energy hope and drive making it difficult to take the steps that will help you feel better sometimes just thinking about what you need to do to feel better like exercising spending time with friends can feel exhausting or impossible to put into action and I think that is the real key key struggle in treatment for depression because it's a catch-22 the things that are going to help you are the most difficult to do there there is hope (laughs) I don't want to make this sound too depressing um Although it's difficult, it's not impossible and there are definitely treatment options and interventions that can alleviate symptoms of depression. So even if your depression is very stubborn, the key is to start small and build from there. You may not have much energy, but by drawing on all your reserves, you should have enough to take a walk around the block, say, or pick up the phone and call a loved one. It's definitely not that easy, but like I said, not impossible. Medications are a treatment option for depression. Again, I'm not going to go into too much detail on medications, um, but the most most modern antidepressants have an effect on your brain's chemical transmitters. So like I mentioned, the three main transmitters, serotonin, dopamine, and norepinephrine, um, there are different I guess, blends of medication that target either one or multiple uh, medications. So I know that you can get antidepressants called SSRIs, which target serotonin. You can get get serotonin and norepinephrine. And then I know you can get other medications that um, target dopamine as well. So basically how medication works is they relay messages between brain cells and they can be an effective treatment because they stimulate growth of new nerve cells in circuits that regulate your mood. So that plays a critical part in recovering from really severe episodes of depression. So there are several types of effective psychological treatments as well. It's like going to therapy and counseling, seeing a psychologist. Um, There are lots and lots of different types of uh, psychotherapy. When I say psychotherapy in that sense, I mean talk therapy. So, uh, CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy is probably the most well known and it focuses on how your thoughts, behaviors, and feelings contribute to your depression. So your therapist will help you learn ways to challenge preconceptions and you might come up with goals and strategies you might also get homework assignments things like keeping a journal and keeping a journal can be a great strategy and intervention to help with depression and expressing emotions and even just connecting with yourself as well and you'll apply Problem solving techniques in particular situations. So, CBT is quite structured and more of a short term intervention, um, but it's very effective. Then you'll have interpersonal therapy. So that's something that you might see a psychotherapist for. We do a lot of interpersonal therapy and that focuses on how your relationships with others play a role in your depression. So it focuses on practical issues and you will learn how to, I guess, spot unhealthy or identify unhealthy behaviors and be able to change them. Psychodynamic theory uh, therapy. Here's another one, and I practice under a psychodynamic model. So that's when your therapist will explore behavior patterns and motivations that will be in your unconscious, so you might not be aware of them, which could contribute to depression. So you'll focus on traumas or events from your childhood and maybe tap into some unresolved um, conflicts there. That may be contributing to the cause or the roots of your depression. So, that is more long term therapy, but yeah, it's another option. For someone with depression, asking for help can seem like a mammoth task. Mental statistics actually show it can take up to 10 years for someone struggling before they decide to get help. So, interventions. The good news is there are practical and effective interventions that help manage and alleviate depressive symptoms. The first thing I like to do when I'm working with a client is work on identifying the cause of the problem by gathering information and listening to their story and doing lots of exploratory work. However, if you wanted a little, I guess, fun activity that you can do, Um, for yourself or with a friend or a partner or whoever and this isn't personalized advice this is just something i know that can be effective when you're struggling to come to what's causing you to feel either really down or worthless or causing some of your depressive symptoms so close your eyes allow an image to come up of someone or something that makes you really mad irritated or pissed off but not yourself This is because when you suffer from depression, you're usually always mad at yourself. Notice what comes up on your visual screen. Imagine you have a little visual screen and your image is coming up on there. It might be a person or it might be a place. For example, let's say the place that the thing that comes up on your visual screen is a place like work. So let's say you visualize your office or let's say a meeting room and I want you to think about what's in that circumstance. What do you want in that circumstance? So you might be thinking, hmm, what about this has come up and is making me really mad? And it might be the people that are in that meeting room that you're sitting around with. What about that circumstance is really bothering you? Look again at this visual screen. How do you see yourself? Are you small are you weak? Are you silent? Identify depressogenic, which is depressing causing moments in that scene for yourself. So depression is also a disorder of power. So you feel small and others feel large and it can really knock you down and damage your self-esteem. So a part of this little activity that you can do is kind of step back and okay so for example say it's work and it's the people and you don't feel heard you don't feel valued and you feel like the people that you work with are very dismissive what might that be in relation to and you might do some exploring and you might think hmm. and it might come back to something completely neutral as you explore it and it might be hey like I didn't realize that I was doing this and maybe that's why I feel that they're dismissive. So I have a really good example. I've done this before and it was a similar situation without rambling on too much. I realized that I was overcompensating for not feeling confident to the point where I was kind of showing off. And I was making other people feel threatened, so they were being dismissive by things I was contributing to. So it's about problem solving and asking yourself, what can you see now that you couldn't see when you were feeling small? I know that's, it's maybe not sound very straightforward, but it is definitely something that you can practice and try. There are also a few lifestyle factors that change neurochemistry and have been proven to be antidepressants that we can weave into the fabric of our daily life. And the first one is getting plenty of sleep. Getting rest every night is a must for your mood. And as I've mentioned, people that suffer from depression tend to have noticeable sleep disturbances. So go to bed and wake up on a regular schedule practice good sleep hygiene never skimp on your zzzs so feeling run down will also exacerbate your symptoms of depression and make it more difficult to be social exercise and manage your stress And exercise, (laughs) exercise is literally medicine. It changes the body and the brain in powerful ways. It gives us mental clarity and energy and it has a biochemical effect on our brain, increasing dopamine, endorphins and serotonin. Literally, if you could put exercise into a pill, it would be the best-selling drug, I tell you. Make exercise natural and social, maybe grab a friend and go for a brisk walk even just walking 30 minutes for three times a week is enough to enhance dopamine and serotonin circuits omega-3 fats your brain is 60 percent fat you're a fat head literally our bodies can make all the fat all the fats we need except for the essential fats of course Um, and they are omega-3 and omega-6, and they play complementary roles in the body. Omega-6 is our inflammatory, and our omega-3 is our anti-inflammatory, and our brain is designed to have them both in balance. So when we're consuming things like fast food and processed foods, having an unbalanced diet can contribute to symptoms of depression. And EPA is actually found in antidepressants so the antidepressant dose i think is 1000 or 2000 milligrams so but just by ensuring your essential fats are good you can alleviate depressive symptoms omega-3 fatty acids also play an essential role in stabilizing your mood so the best sources of fatty acids are like salmon um, mackerel any kind of fatty fish really like tuna um, and you, you can also supplement it. So get a good quality, um, Omega supplement. Social connection is so important, um, for kind of intervening with depression. So we are designed as social species. We are designed to connect face-to-face time with our loved ones has been scientifically proven to pause our stress response. Think about it. Back in our hunter gather days, our ancestors spent all day playing in the company of their loved ones, and we wonder why depression is so prevalent today when we're trading quality face time for screen time. The result is remarkably devastating because we are born to connect, and now we're seeing this depression epidemic. When you have clinical depression, the response is to withdraw, shut down, pull away, And when you have the flu, the cold, that's adaptive. But when you have depression, it's the worst thing you can do. Getting support support plays an essential role in overcoming depression. On your own, it can be so difficult to maintain a healthy perspective and sustain the effort you need to fight depression. But like I just said, the very nature makes it so difficult to do so because you can feel exhausted, ashamed of your situation, guilty, and this can cause you to neglect certain relationships. But yeah, just staying connected to other people and taking part in social activities will make the world of difference to your mood and outlook. So also, if you find that really difficult, the flip side to that that you can do that might help is find ways to support others. It can make you feel really good. And research actually shows that you get a bigger mood boost from providing support or help um, to others. So find ways in as little, tiny, minuscule as they could be, like volunteering or even just listening, being a listening ear for a friend or, you know, just saying something nice to someone. It can make you feel really good. Get a pet, get a dog. While, you know, human connection is important (laughs) – dogs can help you feel less isolated caring for a pet can also you know get you outside yourself and give you a sense of being needed like this is something that you have to look after and it can create a purpose and having a purpose and meaning in your life is also really important so really powerful antidote to depression get a pet if you can I know that's not always feasible but if you can can help Practicing relaxation and mindful techniques can help relieve symptoms of depression by reducing stress and boosting feelings of well-being. So something like yoga, I love progressive muscle relaxation. So that's like tensing and releasing all your muscles Um, and or just meditating. So you can listen to a guided meditation. There's apps like Smiling Mind um, or even you can just YouTube guided meditation and you'll be able to follow along to one. Another thing that I might tell my clients to do is to develop a little wellness box. Um, so at times when you're feeling really low, come up with a list of things that you can do for a mood boost so that you might call them like your your tools for depression or, you know, whatever name you feel comfortable with. And you might come up with a list of what you like about yourself if you're feeling like your self-esteem is dropping. Um And that can help with practicing positive self-talk as well. It might be like reading a book. You might have the name of a funny TV show or a movie. It might be having a hot bath, um, playing with a pet. (laughs) Or you might have a list of a couple of people you know that after you talk to them, you feel really good. Listening to music can also be a great one. Or you might just decide to get up and do something spontaneous. I know that can work for some people. You might be like... I remember learning there's this, um, psychological trick that if you count backwards from three, so three, two, one, um, before you do something, it's, it's like a trick and you'll do it. So I know when my alarm goes off in the morning and I don't want to go out of bed, I'm like, okay, three, two, one. And I always do it. So little life hack there. Diet, diet, diet. We know all about gut health. If you've listened to our mood food episode, um, I won't go too far into that because I could rant about that for ages, But what we want to do is stay away from sugary snacks. You crave them when you're sad. They make you feel good for five seconds and then crash. So feel good foods um, quickly lead to, like I said, a a dip in mood and energy. So aim to cut out those simple processed carbs and sugars um, where you can. Sunlight can help boost serotonin levels and improve your mood. Whenever possible, try and get outside in the sunlight. It can make the world of difference even if it's just 10 or 15 minutes a day. Maybe take a walk on your lunch break. Um, you know, eat your meals outside. Spend some time gardening. That can be really therapeutic. Maybe walk to a local park or combine your sunshine with your exercise, maybe tennis or golf or something. And you can do that with a friend too. So then you're killing all the birds with one stone. Increase the amount of natural light in your home. Our environment, like I mentioned, is so important. So we need natural light in there to open it up and make it not so droopy and cold and dark because that's depressing. For some people, um, reduced daylight can actually be a form of depression known as seasonal affect disorder, so sad, and that can make you feel completely different to the way you feel normally. So you can feel hopeless, sad, stressed, and lose interest just like you would if you had clinical depression. Another thing that I've mentioned with depression is the association um, or the symptom of low self-esteem and then really negative thoughts. Or cognitive distortions and they are just that distorted thinking when you really examine them though they don't hold up so something I like to say is put your negative thoughts on a witness stand once you identify the destructive thought patterns that contribute to that really negative thinking and that depressed state you can start to challenge them with questions like what is the evidence here is this thought true or not true What would I tell a friend who had that thought? So removing yourself from the thought. Is there another way of looking at the situation or maybe there's a different explanation or perspective? How might I look at that situation if I didn't have depression? So as you can kind of cross-examine negative thoughts, you'll be surprised at how quickly they kind of don't hold up. And you can dismiss them. And that will develop more with practice and help you relieve some of those depressive symptoms. Another thing that I will just touch on really lightly is drinking and drugs. So like I mentioned before, they are not necessarily always the cause But if you are drinking a lot or partaking in some drugs, um, it can make your symptoms of depression much worse. And alcohol and, and, you know, party drugs can interact with medications if you're taking antidepressants. So that's usually not a good idea. One thing to consider doing is cutting down on drinking. Also, if you have a friend that has clinical depression, a A good reminder is to not compare their depression with normal temporary feelings of sadness. So I hear all the time people going, I have depression and other people going, oh my God, yeah, I've been really sad lately too. Um, Yeah, it's just, it's the worst. And that can make them feel guilty and ashamed for struggling so much. So instead, let them talk about openly how they're feeling and ask what it's like for them. So everyone is different and it's often a combination of factors that contribute to developing depression. And it's important to remember that you can't always identify the cause of depression or change some of the factors that may be contributing to the cause of your depression, but it's important to recognize the signs and the symptoms and seek support where you can. That is all for me today, folks. I will see you in the next episode. I hope this has been a little bit helpful and I haven't rambled on too much for you. I'll see you next time. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode or you know someone who might, we would love you to share this with them. If you want to see more, please follow us on our Instagram at the Psychology Sisters. Please note the content shared in this episode is for educational and general informational purposes only and does not replace personalised advice and support from mental health professional. See you next episode for more spicy Science and Sexy Self-Help.